The mission, uh, 30 years old now, is still one of my favorite movies of all time. If you haven't seen it and choose to because of this sermon, be forewarned, the story will haunt you for the rest of your days. The film is set in the 18th century and involves a Spanish Jesuit priest whose name is Father Gabriel. Father Gabriel enters the jungle of northeastern Argentina to build a mission station and to convert the native Hurani community to Christianity. The opening scene of the movie shows these very natives killing the previous priest by tying him to a wooden cross which they floated down the river and over an enormous waterfall, the priest falling to his death. Father Gabriel, following his heart's calling and armed with little more than his Bible and his oboe, sets out for this very same place where that priest had lost his life. He climbs the mountain that is adjacent to the waterfall and when he arrives at the top he is by himself supposedly he takes out his oboe and begins to play a beautiful tune out of the jungle emerge the Hurani warriors fascinated by his music captivated by what they have never heard, they allow him to live. Let's listen to this song that Father Gabriel played.
Yes, you may clap during the middle of a sermon. <laughs> Wasn't that, that wonderful? Uh, my thanks to Sandy and Nona and Stephen and Tina and Lisa for making that possible. Without divulging the ending, you should know that Father Gabriel lives the rest of his life compassionately and even sacrificially among the Wirani. I know that it is somewhat difficult to even mention this type of mission work and evangelism in this day and age because it is laden with so much knowledge of the damage that has been done in years past. The history of colonialism sadly reveals the church was complicit in much oppression of indigenous cultures, especially in the Americas and in Africa. The values that set in motion good meaning purposes were co-opted for evil. You know the stories well of how not only our nation was developed in its earliest phases, but how other nations were robbed in theirs. What could be gained became far more important than what could be given. I read a book just recently by Steve Corbett and Brian Fickert. The title is When Helping Hurts, How to Alleviate Poverty Without Hurting the Poor and Yourself. And in that book, they recount story after story of mistakes not only they had made themselves, but also the church in general had made across the years. Meaning so much good, but doing so much harm. They tell the story of one particular situation in which they were involved in helping to relieve hunger in a community. They purchased food from outside, particularly eggs from outside industry to have those eggs delivered into a community. When the eggs arrived, it was incredible, the reaction, for people were so blessed with eggs like they had never seen before. And so the eggs spread throughout the community from one family to the next. And so everybody was blessed with having enough eggs to feed their family. Of course, the price of eggs in the area dropped to just about nothing. Everybody had eggs. Who would want to buy eggs? There in that community were several farmers who actually supplied eggs to the community. And after the gift had evaporated, they were left without a livelihood because the price of eggs had bottomed to the point where they could not sustain themselves. Oh, the good intentions that we have can reap such harm. I think that the problem is that our wealth, our power, skews our perspective. 
One of the things that I believe that we are called to do as we reach out, especially internationally, is to find our calling in community. I am very grateful that with the Haiti mission and the Dominican mission, that these are long missions that have been carried on year after year and have given the opportunity for the development of relationships within these settings of need. It is a beautiful thing to see these persons at work. There are signs in our parking lot. Perhaps you've noticed it. You read them as you're going out. Go be the church. I like this. A lot of people are convinced that church is something that you go to. You and I know that church is something that sends us forth into the world. In fact, in order to really be the church, even though gathering for worship is of critical importance, in order to be the church, we must go forth to do the work of God. We are commissioned. We are given the job to go and to do the work of God. The 11 disciples, and oh, isn't that a sobering thought? The imperfection gathered into that group of 12 left them without one. And you know who that was when it came time for Jesus' sending of them. And don't you know that there were others that were feeling somewhat inadequate to the task? Peter among them still had not gained his wings and was questioning who he was to be used by the Lord. But can you imagine yourself among those 11 and thinking to yourself, I'm not worthy of the task. I'm not gifted enough for the task. I don't have the words to speak. I don't have the talents to share. And yet Jesus chose these to do his mighty work. I think it's interesting that it says here in the 17th verse, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Now, I'm not a Greek scholar. I like to read what Greek scholars write about the translations of the Bible. All of the Greek scholars that I have read on this passage have said the same thing, that there are two words in the English that are made there apparent for us that are not in the Greek. Now, that doesn't mean that the translators... We're trying to pull the wool over our eyes. It's just that they are dealing with such situations of translation that they were trying to reconcile two concepts that were diametrically opposed to each other. One is worship and the other is doubt. How can someone worship and doubt at the same time? But and some are not words that are in the Greek. And so they thought to themselves, some must have been worshiping. Some must have been doubting. I want to say to them, you don't know my congregation. <laughs> we sit here. We come together as God's people. But that doesn't mean that we don't have any doubts. The worshipers are doubting. The doubters are worshiping. And into this mix of who we are as God's people, Jesus speaks his challenge 
because he uses worshipers. And he even uses doubters to do his work. He calls us to be his people and to go. That's the instruction, to go, even in the midst of our doubt. The mission field was simple for them to figure out. It was Israel. It was where they were. They had followed Jesus, not outside of the edges of that place, but within it. They had traced the paths with him. And yet Jesus was asking them to look beyond their nationalistic ideas. That's a word that could be heard in this country today. Look beyond your nationalistic ideas to see that there is a world around us. You and I, you and I are called to go and to proclaim the good news of Christ in order that there will be others that will be baptized and taught and learning as you and I are more each day about who Christ is. I had the opportunity a few years back to go to Jamaica with a group of ophthalmologists who had gone there to do eye surgery. And when I got down to Jamaica, I realized I didn't know what I was supposed to do. I don't know medicine, as opposed to Randy, who knows nothing but medicine. I stood there, and I, I asked the guys, I said, what do you want me to do? And they said, oh, preacher, your job is just to visit with people before they go into surgery. And I looked around at those that were on the gurneys and began making my way from one to the next and having interesting little conversations. I particularly remember one lady who was laying there. She had one of those little blue caps holding her hair in, you know. And she was laying there awaiting this surgery that would turn her from a nearly blind person to a seeing person again. She had terrible cataracts to the point that her vision was almost completely obscured. She lay there and uh, I saw her mumbling to herself and I heard the word amen and the word hallelujah come out of her mouth and I said, you're praying. She said, oh yes. She says, I'm so thankful to be given the opportunity to have this surgery. She said, I feel like the Lord has chosen me, blessed me for this day. And I said, you will be so happy to see what will you want to do once you can see. She said, I want to go to the United States. <laughs> and I said, that's great. What would you do there if you get to the United States? Do you have friends there? Do you have family there? Have you ever been there before? She says, no, to all of those questions. She said, she said, I want to go tell people about Jesus and what he's done for me. That's even before she had had the surgery. She was living into the idea of her calling. I tell you that for those that are of Christ, this is a calling that encompasses the entirety of the world. This is why it is so important for us to go because we discover that other people are getting this calling just as we are. We are more connected with Christians around the world than we are with Americans around the world. Don't you know? Don't you understand that? You and I are brothers and sisters sent forth on a similar mission with all other Christians in Christ. 
driven by the Holy Spirit, the church continues to reach out and to make disciples by baptizing and by teaching. It is not a matter of guilt. I know it is difficult for you to think of yourself as being useful in this way for the Lord. We think in such small circles. It's hard for us to think of engaging someone in conversation at the end of our pew, much less even around our block in which we live. In our community of Statesboro, to think about moving into certain areas that give us calls for concern in order to share the love of Christ. To think of going somewhere else outside of this nation. How could God ever, ever use us in another place? And so guess what? God's got another idea. Have you realized how much of an international city this is? Have you realized that you can go into any grocery store and hear at least four languages on any given day? It is fascinating that God has sent the world to our doorsteps. And yet we would continue to give excuses to God? You and I must hear the commission again. You and I must hear that Jesus says, Go! And make disciples. Jesus said, go and make disciples. Jesus said, go and make disciples. 